Uh, hey, if we haven't met, my name's Caleb, uh, and I want to uh, welcome you. Hopefully you've been greeted. You braved the rain. Two Sundays already in January. If, if attending church regularly was your New Year's resolution, now you know you can do it because it's raining and you got yourself here. Way to go. Uh, I just want to say in Gus's little talk there, he talks about happiness, right? We're going to talk, we're going to continue in this series about the pursuit of happiness. He mentions how he couldn't find it. He had all the money. He had more money than he knew what to do with, uh, women and a house and all that kind of stuff, and yet he couldn't find it. So that's where you are today is you've, you've joined us on this journey called the pursuit of happiness and what God says will actually make you happy, will actually help you live a full and meaningful life. Before we jump into that, I want to give you two updates. One is we just finished off uh, the calendar year, and I know a lot of you made decisions about uh, taxes and, and giving, and so we talked in December about giving, and I just wanted to stand up here and publicly thank you for your generosity. Uh, our church has exceeded the giving that we anticipated and budgeted for in the last calendar year. And so I thank you for, for giving generously to our church. Some of you that are newer, you're like, what do I care? You know, congratulations, Caleb. Uh, but it matters. It matters. I want, you to, I want you to know that it matters. We're able to do more good in this city as a result. We're able to reach more people as a result. We're able to help more people in need as a result. Uh, and it really matters. Um, it's one of the things that I sent in my uh, <clears throat> Compass email this past week was an update just letting you know what an exciting year this was uh, and how we have continued to grow, our church has, uh, and you know just the incredible growth that we've seen. But more than just filling seats in here, uh, we are interested in people's spiritual growth. And so one of the ways that we can kind of get an indicator of people growing spiritually is whether or not you're trusting God with your money. And so that, the, the fact that we are where we are is a great indicator that people are growing spiritually, uh, that you're trusting God, re realizing that he has been generous to you, being generous back uh, to him and putting your resources toward the work that he's doing in this county, in this city. And so we are grateful. We know that where our treasure goes, our heart follows. So we don't want our treasure just going towards stuff. We want it toward serving people. So thank you. I also wanted to give you an update on uh, our new location. Uh, we like being here. Uh, we're not afraid of purple seats. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the sexiest for people to come to Christmas Eve services uh, at a public library, but we still had almost 1,100 people uh, because you guys are inviters, you care about friends and family and neighbors, uh, and so we, this place has been a great blessing to us, but we are still actively looking for what's next because at four services, we know that we can't just add services forever, uh, so hopefully there will be another spot in this great area uh, where God would open the door to us. And I'm, I told you a few months ago, or not even that long ago, that we have been pursuing the Regency Movie Theater and that the owner of that theater wants to lease it to us. And some of you, your heart broke a little bit because you're like, that's the only place I see movies, you know? Uh, and I get that, and I'm sorry, I feel your pain, uh, but I'm not that sorry. I really want this thing to happen because that would be a fantastic place for us. He wants us to have it. The city so far is kind of kiboshing it, uh, zoning issues and things like that. So I wanted to give you an update. We are entering in to a period of time where we are trying to um, come to terms with the city and help them see the way. And, uh, and so it, it might be 
six months, nine months, 12 months, we don't know. And it might not even happen. But we know that the guy who owns the building wants us in there. Uh, and we're looking for favor with the city. So if you would continue to pray for that. We're, we're exploring other opportunities too. Uh, they're just limited in this geographical region of the world. Uh, in fact, would you just join me in a, just a brief prayer as we celebrate God's generosity to us and anticipate the next step. God, we are thankful. We are thankful for all your, all your blessings in our lives individually, our families and uh, the things that we can see your hand in and that we know that we live in a place that uh, you, you have provided and, and we are grateful. Uh, we also anticipate for the future, God, whether our, our individual, whatever our individual needs are and uh, where our families are headed, but also as a church. And we just ask that you would provide, that you would open the right door, that you would give us favor in your perfect timing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for those of you who pray, pray for that. Please continue to do so. Last week, we kicked off this series, The Pursuit of Happiness, by talking about the fact that it's a misnomer that you can't really actually pursue happiness and get it. It's kind of a shocker. But the more you chase it, the more you try to squeeze the joy out, it actually just slips through your fingers. And the world will tell you to focus on you and to consume more and more stuff and things, and yet you'll find that that's just a black hole that, that doesn't satisfy we talked about this verse that's a theme verse for the whole series. It's from John chapter 10, verse 10. And this is Jesus talking. He says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That God actually wants you to have a rich and satisfying life. He wants you to experience a life of meaning and fulfillment. He wants you to experience a sense of happiness. He wants you to have the desires of your heart. God's in that with you. The problem is we go about it in the wrong ways, claiming it for ourselves, uh, feeling a sense of entitlement. And often what God wants to do is different than what we think we deserve or need in this moment. And so we miss it and we experience dissatisfaction. We talked last week about happiness is not achieved, it is received. Uh, we said that God loves to give good gifts to his children and that he blesses us, especially as we are blessing other people. And a bunch of you came up to me afterwards or you emailed me during the week and you said, I want help being a blessing to other people. I want to get more involved in serving. So we're here to help you. It's like the Jerry Maguire deal. Help us help you, right? We, we want you to be able to be a blessing. Uh, you have, some of you, ideas of your own. There's things that you're passionate about, things that you want to see change, injustices that you want to do something about. Would you tell us what those things are? Find Monica. Tell her your vision. Tell her your idea. We'll help you get it done. If it's a bad idea, I'll just kind of steer you and navigate you in a different direction, but encourage you all the way. <clears throat> Most likely it'll be a good idea and we'll try to bring energy and help catalyze it. Talk to her about that. If you don't have ideas, we have ideas for you. There's a list of things out there that you can plug in with. Just grab the piece of paper on your way out, jump in. If you want to help on Sundays, you can do that too. Uh, you know that we had people here this morning when it was still dark and raining setting up so that we could do this. 
That's our, Na- that's our Navy SEAL team. They are, they are tough dudes. And there's, I think, a couple of women too. And they get here early and they come at six and they stay after and tear down. We put everything in, in these trucks and we take them. If you want to be a part of that SEALs team, uh, let us know. Just put it on the little card. We would love to get you plugged in in that. That is a necessary thing. The point is, do something. If you felt that little twinge last week, if you felt that encouragement, hey, I need to, I need to bless other people. I need to be involved in some way beyond what I am. Uh, don't let that just die out. Don't let that whisper just go away. Don't just take a step. Do something today before you go. I read this week a New York Times article that summarized a bunch of studies that had been done on happiness and what makes people satisfied and happy. This is an article from 2013, which now feels like two years ago, but it wasn't a full two years ago. In it, they're summarizing some university studies, and they say that there is a part of our happiness and our experience of joy and satisfaction in life that's genetic. So if you struggle with it, you can talk to your parents about that and say thank you very little uh, for those genes. But that's only a part. The biggest part of it is decision-making, that you can decide, you can make choices that will lead to, to a richer, more satisfied experience of life. And that's what we want for you. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're talking about it. And I read to you from the Bible and talk about things that God has said and people have done and believed for thousands of years. But I also want to tell you about a New York Times article that says the same thing. It's fun when research and science proves the things that we are know are true in Scripture. And this is what they say. Part of it is genetics, but the biggest part of it is decision-making. And decision-making that aligns specifically with these four values. Number one, faith, according to the New York Times, 2013. That by prioritizing faith, having a real relationship with your creator, you are more likely to actually experience happiness and abundant life. Shocker, right? That the God who designed you would know something about what would make you happy, satisfied, purposeful in this life. Faith is number one. Family is number two. That as you prioritize your family and the people around you, that you will experience a greater degree of satisfaction, happiness, contentment in your life. The third thing is community. That's why we shamelessly stand up here and say, if you haven't done Rooted, get in Rooted. If you've done Rooted, make sure you're in a life group. Yeah, but my life group stunk, you know, and they were That's okay. We'll keep helping you find groups. You just keep, just, you need to be connected. Well, I bowl with people. Awesome. But let us just, that's great. Bowling. But let us help you you know, navigate and, and make sure that you're connected with people who are helping you go in the right direction. The, th- the fourth and final thing, New York Times article 2013 said, is meaningful work. That you will enjoy satisfaction, happiness, contentment in life as you find meaningful work. And so some of you figure, well, I'm toast because my job sucks. And, and I just... I can't, you know, this, I will never find happiness in my workplace. I'm going to challenge you on that today for the next few minutes. Some of you need to quit your jobs. Let's just be honest. There, there, there are some of you that need to quit your jobs and, and, and go out and take a risk and do something different. But I would suggest to you that most of you, most of you do not. Most of you 
are looking maybe at your work in terms of the paycheck, in terms of the promotions, in terms of the politics, and God wants to redirect you today and help you think about it differently. That meaningful work might not necessarily be your vocation. That meaningful work might not necessarily be your job or the person who pays your bills. Meaningful work might be different than you're currently thinking about it. How many of you grew up thinking that you knew what your calling was? Like me, like at five years old, I want to be a race car driver. <clears throat> I don't know how that came to me. I'm not Ricky Bobby. I don't drive fast. I, but, but as a kid, that's what I thought my calling was. And then I moved on to sports and whatever else and firemen, the typical stuff. Uh, to throw out some things that you thought as a kid, like this is my purpose in life. I must do this. What do you think? Writer? Marine biologist. How old were you when you thought you needed to be a marine biologist? Eight years old. God bless you. That's great. That's a, you're a smart dude. What else? Rock star. Yeah. Right. Typical. Lawyer. Doctor. Yeah, you guys had active parents trying to steer you from a young age. Was that president? President of the United States of America. Yeah, we have a sense of this higher calling, this purpose in life that we're chasing, and most of those things didn't play out the way we thought that they would. Maybe we didn't get into the college, or we didn't get the job, or we got fired from the job, or things changed and shifted, and some of us are still trying to figure out, what's my purpose in life? What's my calling? What's, what's the meaningful work that I'm supposed to put my hands to and really really pursue. And some people will tell you to spend tens of thousands of dollars on counseling and conferences and things to find that. Other people will go backpacking in Europe and they'll try to find who they are and what they're meant to do. But I have good news. Jesus wants to make it a little bit simpler for you today. There's a famous, the most famous ever, the sermon ever taught where Jesus it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he lays out for us the simplicity of life and just says, you guys, life, life is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Do these things. They're kind of counterintuitive in some ways. But this is what life is all about. If I distill it down to one message, Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7 what this life is about. And so I'm going to read just a little portion of that today from a couple different translations. This one's from the message paraphrase. And this is Jesus talking. And he says, let me tell you why you are here. Now, when Jesus starts out that way, even if it's a paraphrase, you want to like lean in a little bit, right? You kind of stop your side conversations or your Sudoku and you, and you lean in and you're like, okay, Jesus, the God in skin is saying, let me tell you why you're here on earth. I'll pay attention. Okay? You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be salt seasoning. Here's another way to put it, he says. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. In essence, you're here to draw out the richness that I've put in creation. You're here to illuminate. You're here to to draw out the flavor and to expose the beauty. You're, you're here to be salt and light. 
Now, you might be focused on paychecks, promotions, and politics in your organization, but Jesus is saying, yeah, 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 that's all nice, but let me tell you why you're really here. Salt, a little bit about salt. In the first century, the people that Jesus is talking to, salt, they, they got it. They knew exactly what he was saying because salt was a traded commodity, extremely valuable. People were actually paid in bags of salt in that day. Roman soldiers, for instance, paid in bags of salt because of its high value and its trade ability. Have you ever heard a person or ever heard anyone say that that guy's not worth his salt? That's what that comes from. People were paid in this valuable commodity. Salt does a couple of things. It flavors and it preserves. You know that because some of you put way too much salt on everything that you eat. How many of you had salt at breakfast this morning? Some of you had too much salt at breakfast. This, and it's okay because it flavors. It makes stuff taste better. Jesus says, I want you to bring out flavor for people around you. Flavor for the goodness of God in the world around you. Help people notice in the regular mundane of life that there's goodness, that there's flavor. Draw it out. Flavor enhances your experience of what's normal. Jesus says, be salt. Salt also preserves, so it extends the life of. It keeps something from rotting. And in that first century, people would pack their food with salt, especially meats. Pack it because they didn't have the big freezers that we do now. So they would pack things with salt to extend the life and to keep it from rotting. Jesus says, your salt in this world. You preserve. You keep from rotting. You draw out flavor. That's what you do for the people around you. Jesus was asked what the mo most important thing in life is. It's the great commandment. He said, love God with all that you are. Love people like you love yourself. Life is simple, right? Not easy, but simple. He says, love God, and you love God mainly by loving people. And then in this sermon, this famous sermon, he says, here's how you love people. You're salt and light in the world everywhere that you go. You're salt and you flavor and you preserve. Hillary, she works, uh, she's a Pilates instructor and she's like almost nine, eight months pregnant, eight, something like that. And so she won't be doing that for much longer, but she still goes into the studio and she views herself. I don't know if she would use the same language, but she talks all the time about how she doesn't want to just teach a class. She doesn't want to just be a Pilates guru. She wants to go into a place and just make it flavorful, right? And just be light and be salt and make people's experiences that much richer in the morning before they go off to their workday and give encouragement and help women believe in themselves and feel like they're beautiful and achieve goals and all that kind of stuff. It's so much more than just Pilates for her. And I know a lot of you are the same way. There's teachers in our church who, who are pouring into the next generation. That you, you, you're caring for, you're preserving, you're, you're illuminating, you're helping kids see the potential that's in them. They're helping kids see the world in a new way. Some of you are business owners and the culture that you're creating in your company trickles all the way down through and people have a different experience in work and in business because of you. Wherever you are and whatever your sphere of influence is, Jesus says, be salt and be light. You have an advantage over me because I, have, I take Mondays off and then I go into the office on Tuesdays and my, I work with Jairus and this awesome team, but we all think alike. 
We all already get it. We're all already supposed to be salt. So I have to intentionally plan and schedule to be around the culture that we live in, to be out there, to be salt, packed in, just like it's preserving the meat, right? Packed in, pressing in, in proximity to other people who need to see the flavors of God and the colors of God. I go and I play volleyball. You feel sorry for me. No, but I do it in, intentionally with people that don't believe the same things as me to press in, to draw out flavor, to expose beauty, to encourage, to be a blessing. Or a 24-hour fitness. Or when I go to restaurants, I try to convince my wife all the time, we just need to go do some ministry at Cheesecake Factory, you know? And, and <laughs> that server, we're, we're going we're gonna to bless that server. And we do. We take that seriously, but she doesn't, Hillary doesn't get on board with that as frequently. <laughs> Salt, proximity matters. But as you're pressing in, as you're with, as you're connected to this culture, this world around you, uh, proximity and closeness, being in the mix is not enough. Jesus says beyond that, be light too. Be a light. Light does a couple of things at least. Two things that it does is it illuminates and it beautifies. It illuminates and it exposes, it shows off. Light brings focus to things that were missed before. Light brings attention to things that were overlooked before. Light brings clarity to things that were confused before. And it beautifies. Someone said that there is no art without light. Those of you who know that, you painters or photographers or whatever, you don't have art without light exposing it, enhancing it, drawing out the colors, showing off the goodness of God, the creativity of God, the beauty of God in creation and in people. Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. An interesting way of looking at it is that salt is common. Salt all does the same thing. It flavors, it purifies. Light is reflective. Light goes through you, and it reflects through you, unlike any other human being in the history of the world. The light of God, the glory of God, shines through you differently than anyone else who exists. So we need you to be you and let God shine through. No one else can do. No, that little sliver of knowing God, we're going to miss it. If you're not letting him shine through your life. I have a picture of a glass of light shining through it. It's, it's like this. It's, every one of us is unique and different. And, and as we let him shine, people, the world around us, are exposed to a glimpse of God. You're like, oh, that's not, not me. I'm, so, I'm not giving off. You can be. You're designed to be. Simply by connecting with him, being available to them, being open to him. Letting him shine through you in the ways that we're talking about in this series. The more you allow him to do so, the more you'll discover who he's made you to be. Because as his light shines in you and through you, it's, it's exposing how he's designed you. You'll get to know yourself more. It's one of those surprising secrets of the universe is that happiness, contentment, satisfaction doesn't work in us until it works through us. And as he's shining through us, you'll get to know yourself more. You'll find satisfaction in life and at work. Jesus said, you are salt and you are light. You will be blessed as you bless others. Your job might not be your life's work, 
Your life's work is being salt and bringing light to the world around you. And if you don't do that, you're going to be unsatisfied. Here's what another translation says in verse 13. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. Some of you feel useless. Some of you feel disconnected from your purpose. Some of you feel like you're just going to work and going through the motions. Or you're just going to school and going through the motions. Maybe it's not because of a dead-end job. Maybe it's because you're dead in your job. And you're just choosing to go through the motions. And you're focused on paychecks, promotions, and politics. And you're not being salt and light in the place where God's put you. Because if you are salt, and if you allow his light to shine through you, you will experience satisfaction. You will experience a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. You will. That's how he has designed you. You will experience a more rich and satisfying life that Jesus promises. But here's the deal. He doesn't want you to go it alone. One little, I was going to say kernel, but it's not kernel. But one little grain of salt, thank you, Neil. One little grain of salt is nice, but it takes a whole lot of salt to really preserve something. One little candle is nice and can light up a room, but, but multiple candles or beams of light can really make an impact. That's why we want you connected to other people, doing life with other people. That's why we go after you on those things. Because our opportunity, our common purpose, is to bless others. That's the same for everybody. We bless. And like salt, we preserve. And we flavor. And we do it together, connecting you through rooted, through life groups, and through serving together, whatever that looks like. Do, be together. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'm not going to like pray with my subordinates. Like that's not going to happen. That's not, how, that's not how I operate. That's okay. I'm not going to do a Bible study at lunchtime. That's okay. But you need to figure out how to be salt and light in the place where you are. You need to figure out what that looks like for you. You are the light of the world, Jesus said like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Here's how it works. You get the meaning and the happiness and the purposefulness and God gets the glory. So as you are salt and you are light, he's being glorified. People are getting a glimpse of him. And then you're satisfied. That's the way it works. A lot of people can do good things and one-off acts of kindness, but then claim the glory for themselves. We reflect it. We just say, God's good. It's God who's good. It's God who designed me, and he designed you, right? You don't have to have your Bible memorized. You don't have to have theology down. You're just reflecting God's goodness, illuminating it, bringing out the flavors. That's what we do. I want to consider, invite you to consider an experiment this week. As you go, get ready for work. At, before you make that phone call, before you set out on that business trip, whatever it looks like, would you ask yourself this question? How can I bring meaning to the mundane today? 
How can I bring meaning to the mundane today? And where can I bring flavor and fun and clarity and encouragement? Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So just getting really practical and giving you some other handles here, what it might look like based on this verse to be salt and light this week is for you to consider how you speak and how you serve. How you speak and how you serve. If you're someone who has a propensity toward complaining, notice that when you start to just kind of at, at work, around the water cooler at lunchtime, and it's just complain, complain, complain. Nip that and shift, redirect, and focus your speech on gratitude. Man, I'm just grateful that I do have a job, right? I'm grateful over the place that we live in. I'm great. There's all kinds of things that you can find to be grateful for. And in doing so, you will preserve the environment that you're in. You will flavor the environment that you're in. You will uplift the environment that you're in. If you find yourself with a tendency toward comparison, oh, she's prettier than me, so that's why she's being promoted faster. Oh, he, he's gonna, you know, he was just handed that job because of his uncle. And, and you're comparing, 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 compare. Nip that. And instead, shift your attitude and your language toward encouragement. Encourage yourself first with things that are true, and then encourage the people around you. Be that light. Be that salt. Shift from worry to trust and fear to faith. And you might just find meaning, regardless of your job. I'm telling you, you're not going to have to go to another conference you don't have to motorcycle through South America. Jesus says, even if you might be finding yourself in a dead-end job, that's not where you get your meaning from. You're here to bring out the flavors of God, to illuminate, to let God shine through you uniquely, unlike he can shine through anyone else. And if you... Submit yourself to him in that way. You will find meaning in your work. You will be able to leverage the tasks and the minutia and the mundane for the sake of something real and good and meaningful. And in doing so, you will find purpose and satisfaction and a connection to your God. Lord, would you continue to inspire us, to encourage us, give us courage, Give us creativity. Help us to go above and beyond. Help us to illuminate, to point toward your beauty and your goodness, to be grateful people, to use our words and our language for good, to be salt and light in the world around us. In Jesus' name.